What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, college football preview for this weekend. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports online, wisemoneysports.com. If you want to start betting smarter on the sports you love, if you want access to a professional portfolio every day, including football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, check them out online, wisemoneysports.com or on Twitter at wisemoneysports. All right, so uh, on today's show, like we do every single Wednesday, I sit down with, well, we just replay a portion of College Football Weekly. Every week I do a show with uh, Will Chambers. He's the host of College Football Weekly. I sit in with him and we go through some of the biggest games next weekend in college football. So let's play that back right now. Let's do it. Do Week five games. All right, going to start it off. Penn State at Maryland. Penn State favored by six and a half. Over under is 60. So Maryland, they're two and one. Penn State three and zero. They're both coming off buys. By the way, they both had a bye week last week. So Maryland's offense with new head coach Mike Loxley and the Virginia Tech transfer quarterback Josh Jackson exploded on the scene in the first two weeks, only to be slowed severely in a week three loss to Temple. But the thing nobody's really talking about is how the Terps have held opponents to just 13 points per game, which is good for 13th best in the country. Now none of these opponents are known for being offensive powerhouses, and many kind of see this matchup against Penn State in College Park as the first real test for Maryland. But is it? Penn State may have scored a ton of points in their first two games against Idaho and Buffalo, but they were held to just 17 points at home against their rival, the Pitt Panthers. So we have two similar teams here, I think. Uh, They both have the ability to blow out inferior opponents, but struggle to move the ball against stiff, stiff competition. This game, to me, really comes down to who can run the ball more effectively, which is where both teams are doing the most damage so far. And also where both teams' defensive strength resides. the two, Both the two teams are only surrendering 70 rushing yards per game right now. And so I kind of give the edge slightly to Penn State here uh, in, in the running game. I think Penn State wins, but I'm actually picking the home dog here in Maryland, plus 6.5. Uh, only thing to be aware of, though, Penn State has won four in a row against Maryland, and by a large margin that they, they have not been close games the last four years. But even still, I'm picking Maryland plus the points. Here's the thing. Both of these teams have looked slow to start on offense, but I think it's because of the the schedules and the teams they've played. I'm actually leaning towards the over in this game. Interesting, which is 60, right? uh, Yes. Yeah, 59 and a half, 60. Yeah, it's moved to 60, we'll say. Uh, Yeah, I like over the points. I think that both offenses find early success here. Maryland gets that passing game going, and I think that we see a surprise over in this game. I think that both defenses get exposed a little bit, and that's kind of the narrative, I think, in this game. Interesting. Yeah, I just kind of feel like both teams rely too much on the run game, and their quarterbacks aren't great. And I think uh, Penn State's defense, especially their defensive line, is super strong. Uh, Gross Matos, the defensive end, that guy's a future NFL guy. Penn State's defense is really stout, and Maryland's is pretty good, too. And so... I'm not. I guess I'm a little hesitant to jump on the over, but uh, I just see. I also see more passing coming from Penn State. Their uh, leading rusher, Journey Brown, listed as questionable. He's probably not going to play. Uh, the redshirt sophomore uh, who filled in for him carried the ball ten times for, I think, eighty yards, something like that. So he looked good. But I just think they're going to go to more of a passing attack that's going to slow the clock, stop the stop the uh, slow the slow the game down. I should say, stop the clock a little bit more, and I think both teams score. Gotcha. Sean Clifford's the new quarterback there, by the way. He does have a, a huge arm. He likes to throw the ball deep, but uh, I think a little some he's mobile too. Some question marks about you know him being able to kind of move the ball effectively. 
uh, though. So we'll see. Uh, I guess I'm a little hesitant, but I like Maryland there, plus six and a half. There we go. Uh, Washington State at Utah. Washington State plus six here. Over-unders at 56. So both teams here are coming off heartbreaking losses. Uh, we saw Utah lose the big one uh, that you know might keep them out of the Pac-12 South when they lost to USC. Washington State, we, we talked about Washington State losing to UCLA. So, But what is most interesting to me here, uh, with this matchup is we just saw USC carve up the vaunted Ute defense. And I talked I'm, earlier we talked on the show about the new offensive coordinator at USC, Graham Harrell. He brought the air raid system to Southern Cal. Where did Graham Harrell come from? He played quarterback for Washington State head coach Mike Leach when he was at Texas Tech. You might remember him playing with uh, wide receiver uh, Michael Crabtree when they had those those uh, kind of good years at Texas Tech. Now, Leach was one of the first few coaches to introduce the air raid offense to college football. Uh, now, the Cougars did lose to UCLA in Pullman last week, but their offense was not the problem. Anthony Gordon threw nine touchdowns and leads the nation in passing, uh, in passing on the season. Leach will certainly see where Utah's defense struggled against USC and take full advantage of it. Oh, and by the way, Kyle Whittingham's team's uh, struggling against air raid offenses is not a new thing, as evidenced by Washington State winning the last four against the Utes and averaging 34 points per game in the process. I love uh, Washington State here getting six points. I think the air raid uh, system is just something that Kyle Whittingham isn't good at stopping. And I also like the over 56 as well. I think Washington, Washington State, excuse me, Washington State scores, and obviously their defense isn't great either. Utah is going to be able to score. I like the over and Washington State plus six here. I'm on the same side for slightly different reasons. I mean, you mentioned a lot of stuff on the field, how they match up, the past. I think this is more about... I look at teams who have the ability to bounce back. Both of these teams, very tough loss last week. It's like my initial reaction is, wow, Kyle Whittingham at home, he's going to have Utah ready to play, and Washington State may have a hangover because they lost that game they were expected to win by a lot at home and the way they lost it up 32 points, whatever. But I think that based on the system, Mike Leach runs. It's weird. I almost don't think there's like the room for air because player emotion has a big part to do with what we see in football. But I think in traditional systems like Utah, where they rely so much on blocking and matchups and things like that. I don't think, I think you see it more on the field than that rather than a Mike Leach coach team where it's so individualistic and everything's spread and everything is just quick hitting. I think that if players come in a little bit more dejected, it, it, it you see it far less impact a Washington State type team compared to a Utah type team. So just based on that, I think Washington State comes into this game ready to play and, and kind of erasing what they did last week. Also, Utah, you mentioned they, they struggle against teams who throw the football. Their last eight games against teams with a winning record, do you know their their uh, record against the spread? No. 0-8. Oh wow. They don't do well against teams with winning records. Washington State, a good team. I don't see a hangover. And we still may get a slow start from, from Utah. Now, I don't yeah. think either team has that huge hangover that a typical team may have, but I think it's going to impact Utah more. Give me Washington State plus seven. They're going to keep this thing close. Okay, we're both on that. Next up, Kansas State plus five at Oklahoma State. So Kansas State, they're off to a hot start. They're 3-0 under new head coach Chris Kleiman. He left FCS powerhouse North Dakota State to take over the Wildcat program after Bill <laughs> Snyder finally decided to retire at the age of 127. North Dakota State, is that the... That's where like Carson Wentz played. They're, uh, they're like one of the best FCS programs. Honestly, they're better than a lot of 
of uh, of FBS programs, FCS, I meant. Um, so K-State, you know what? With Bill Snyder, they may have been known for tough defense and boring offense, but not anymore. The defense is still solid, but Kleiman has this offense humming. They're averaging more than 450 yards per game this season, 280 of which on the ground. And what do we know about Oklahoma State? We know their defense is not good. Oklahoma State will be looking for a bounce-back game, no doubt, and have revenge on their mind as K-State has beaten the Pokes two years in a row, including an embarrassing outing last season in which the Cowboys only managed 12 points. That's super low for Oklahoma State. So I don't have a great read on the spread here because I feel like it could go either way, but I love the over here. The over is 60. We've seen a lot of 60 numbers this week. I expect both teams to score in bunches now with K-State having a better offense, Oklahoma State always giving up points and being able to score points. I'm taking the over here of 60. This is a weird game for me. It's a pass because of contradicting numbers. I would lean Kansas State just because it's a huge uh, mismatch. I mean, my main cap last week on Oklahoma State-Texas was Oklahoma State's history playing Texas. Well, you look at this game. You mentioned Kansas State's won two games in a row. They've actually won, I think, three of four, maybe three of five. And here's the thing that you notice. When you go back and look at these games, either – Oklahoma State wins these nail biters where it's a two, three, four point game, or Kansas State wins in a blowout. I mean, Kansas State, I think it's three of the last five years they've won. Those games haven't been close. That right. shows to me Kansas State kind of knows how to approach Oklahoma State. I know they've changed coaches, kind of different personnel, but it's still hard for me to buck those certain trends. So I initially lean with Kansas State. But I like the Cowboys. I think Oklahoma State is one of the most underrated teams this year. What I saw last week was, honestly, a team that could have beaten Texas if a few things go differently. Yeah. I like that offense. Defense is porous for sure. Uh, I uh, Cowboys are 6-0 and against the spread, against teams with a winning record, and they're 7-0, and their last seven on turf. That's a big deal. Uh, Oklahoma State plays well in these situations, but the Wildcats play well against Oklahoma State. So sometimes when you get contradicting information on both sides, I stay away from those games. That's a pass for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, Stay with uh, some Texas schools here. Or excuse me, an Oklahoma school. So Texas Tech. No, they're right there. Plus 27 at Oklahoma. This line moved, by the way. It opened up at 24. We've seen a lot of movement here. Look, this one's pretty simple. The line moved to 27. I think it's still a safe bet to take the Sooners. Texas Tech is in a full-on rebuild mode with new head coach Matt Wells. Their offense has been absolutely terrible, and in their last game against Arizona, their starting quarterback, Alan Bowman, was injured. He's out for many weeks, and there's no Pat Holmes waiting to fill his shoes there. So the question is, how are the Red Raiders going to generate offense? And with the improvement we've seen from Oklahoma on defense under new defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, I think it's a super low number, especially when you consider... You're a mean one, <laughs> Mr. Alex, Alex Grinch. Grinch. Oh, I see it. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I was on it. I like um, that. Especially, cons- yeah, I mean, look, they only scored 14 points against a really bad Arizona defense in their last game. We know the Oklahoma offense is great. It's going to score. I think it's more about the Oklahoma defense is going to be able to shut down Texas Tech. I know the number 27 seems scary. It seems really large. We saw them blow out UCLA by 30-plus. I think Texas Tech is a really bad team right now, especially on offense. I'm taking Oklahoma minus 27. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Texas Tech is not the offense we've come to see. They're allowing, well, defensively, I want to start there, they're allowing 13.7 points and only 300 yards a game. So, yeah, but have they played a good offense yet? I don't think so. I don't have their schedule pulled up. But I know they have a bad loss on there. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, I mean, they gave up 28 to Arizona. And I think that when you consider, I mean, what is Arizona's offense compared to Oklahoma's? I, I, I think it's 
pretty easy to expect Oklahoma to score 40-plus here. And then if you're looking at a 27-point line, can Texas Tech score 17? I'm not sure they can. No, they've played Montana State, UTEP, and Arizona. Not yeah. a good schedule so far. Um, but, I mean, you can't ignore those numbers. They have done what they can in those games. But you're right, Oklahoma's certainly going to be able to find success. But you go over to the offensive numbers in general, and we're used to seeing Texas Tech, I mean, with these great offensive numbers, huge offensive right. numbers, and it's just not the same Tech that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I think that there's a huge regression this season, and I honestly think, I agree with you that the 27 seems like a big number, but the last 20 games, Oklahoma's been favored by 20 or more. They're 14-6 and six against the spread, so they cover spreads well. I think they get margin. Now, Texas Tech's a team that they still want to kind of run the up-tempo spread offense, and so they see that a lot in practice. I think Oklahoma needs 60 minutes to cover this margin. I don't like the first half spread. I like the game spread because I think Oklahoma does have incentive to run it up, but they could get off to a bit of a slow start just because of Texas Tech's history covering this kind of an offense. And let's face it, they're going to come into this game right or wrong with some momentum with some juice behind those defensive numbers so far you better believe in that defensive locker room they're talking about that they've only allowed 13 points a game trying to get that team excited whatever way they can they're not going to last 60 minutes oklahoma pulls away but they could pull away late okay so i like oklahoma 27 for the game there we go all right next up feels so square <laughs> i know what's well, a big number but even still look i feel confident in it even stevens virginia Plus 12.5 at Notre Dame. This line also opened up, I think, close to 11, so there's some movement there. Uh, look, Virginia may be 4-0 for the first time in more than a decade, and we have both have been on them all year. We really like Bronco Mendenhall. I like uh, Bryce um, – oh, what's his name? The quarterback. Uh, why can't I think of this? Uh, oh, this uh, Perkins. Killing, Bryce Perkins. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, but, look, they had a real I call him Bryce IHOP. <laughs> That's – Tyler with the dad jokes, just coming in hot. <laughs> uh, but they had, look, they had a, a real scare at home last week against Old Dominion. Uh, they were down at halftime, I believe. They needed a big second half to come back and win. Uh, look, I think that it's a real chance that that was kind of a look-ahead game for them where they weren't spending a lot of time on, on Old Dominion and they were kind of looking ahead to Notre Dame. I hope that that's what it is for their sake. They're spending extra time on Notre Dame. You know they have Notre Dame. They, they've had that game circled all offseason, and they've been looking forward to it. It would certainly be a statement to go into South Bend and beat the Irish. But, look, the Irish are wide awake now after losing to Georgia, and they're looking for a bounce-back win. Not a lot to go off of when you're looking at past history between these two teams. Uh, you know, Even though Notre Dame plays five ACC games a year, they've only played... Uh, these two teams have only played each other twice in the last 30 years, the last one being in 2015. So I don't love this game, and the number seems kind of right on for me, right where I'd expect it to be, 12.5. Uh, so I don't see a lot of value in betting the spread. I'm likely staying away. The total is 50. If I had to lean one way or the other, I think I'd lean under here, actually. I don't see Virginia being able to score a lot of points. Bryce Perkins has had a knee brace on since, like, week two. The Notre Dame offense, it's really good, but I think Virginia's, Virginia's defense is very good. So I think if I'm leaning one way, I'm leaning under 50, but I don't like the spread here. I would lean with Virginia in the points. I think that Virginia keeps this thing close. I think their run defense has been underrated, and I know it's so easy to say, well, no one's played anyone, but really, if you look at everybody's schedule, no one's really played anybody this, to this point in the season. And Virginia's played Pittsburgh, Florida State. I mean, you can debate how good those teams are, but... 
It's something. It's all we have this year. They're allowing 2.2 yards of carry. This this Virginia defense. I mean, Bronco Mendenhall has his team ready to play. I completely agree. Last week was a look-ahead game. Don't put any stock into Old Dominion. And look what happened when they gave up those 17 points. They came roaring back, scored 28 unanswered. I think Virginia keeps this thing close and shocks Notre Dame. And I'd still see a bit of a letdown. From shocks last... like win? You think they can win? Uh, no, 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 Just no. Keep Keeps it, it close, close okay. against the spread. Um, I think that Notre Dame eventually will pull away, but I think that Notre Dame is going to have the opposite effect. You said you think they're going to come in motivated off last week's loss, knowing there's no margin for error. I think they come into this week's loss with the assumption that... They're not, out, not, out not of the, the playoffs, kind of. But these are 19-year-old kids. If they would have won last week, I mean, their path is pretty clear to the playoffs. Now, they lost that game. I don't know what was being said. I don't know the feeling. But I could see them getting off to a bit of a slow start against a hungry Virginia team who's undefeated. Yeah. And I love Bronco Mendenhall. I mean, you asked me the question earlier, Gus on Tom Herman. If you were to start a program today, who would you rather have? Bronco Mendenhall or Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly. I mean, look, I really like Bronco Mendenhall. Brian Kelly's a, a, a great coach, though. I think it's a debatable question. And Bronco Mendenhall, Bronco Mendenhall, his whole career has won at BYU. This is what I always say about coaches. Everyone's all up on... Uh, uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State until he wins there. I'm not. I'm not going to say he can win. What did we see Urban Meyer do? Sorry to bring Jim Harbaugh up, but a lot of these great all-time coaches win everywhere they go. Right. Bronco Mendenhall has not had a chance to win anywhere but BYU. Where guess what? He won double-digit right games at BYU. A he, ton. Does, he does more. Now with he comes less. to Virginia. Yeah. I think the next couple of years Bronco Mendenhall could kind of rise up, and I'm not taking him over Brian Kelly, but I think it's a more debatable question that you just threw Brian Kelly out there. I think if you switch programs and give Brian Kelly Virginia and give Bronco Mendenhall Notre Dame that's when like they a, took a real over, one, yeah. I don't know how those those programs go. That's true. I, I think Bronco Mendenhall is a great coach. I do I look. Virginia I like I like them and I like Virginia. I, I'll be rooting for Virginia here. I like I love when these like teams that aren't traditionally football powerhouses and have been terrible for so long kind of come up and have these great years. I'll be rooting for them pretty much the whole year, but. I just think that Ian, look, I really like Ian Book. I think he's really good. The, the Notre Dame run game uh, isn't what it has been in the past, and you're right. The Virginia run defense is great, and so I expect them to be able to slow the run, but can they keep Ian Book from kind of, you know, he's really good at extending plays with his legs. He's, you know, they have a lot of targets downfield. I just think that Notre Dame, you may be right about it being a letdown moment for they, these kids feel like they're out of the playoff race. But I just almost I feel like the talent is just that much better for Notre Dame, so I just want to stay away. I just don't feel great either way. I always like imagining storylines and headlines and seeing if what they would say after the game would make sense. And I and I could totally see the narrative being after the game, wow, Notre Dame looked so good against Georgia. How could they let Virginia stay in it? I think that could definitely yeah. be the narrative after the game. And we hear that all the time where yeah. people overreact to one game against a great team. I think Michigan was a lot about Wisconsin. And I, <laughs> I think that right. Notre Dame game was a lot about Georgia not being as good as we thought. So we'll see. Okay, fair. Definitely could be true. So, all right, this next game, this is one of my favorite bets of the whole weekend. Ohio State minus 17 and a half at Nebraska. This line opened at 15. It has already moved two and a half points. It is going to continue to move. I can't believe this is your best game. I love this game too. Man. I love this game. So yeah. the over under 66 and a half, by the way. But look, Nebraska's defense, very, very bad. It was terrible last year. It hasn't gotten much better. They just gave up 38 points to Illinois, and they needed 15 fourth quarter points just to barely win that game, by the way. 
So what do you imagine Justin Fields and Ryan Day can do here? Look, I know this was supposed to be a big matchup and tough road game for Ohio State before the season started, but with how the Huskers have looked so far, I'm super skeptical. Look, Lincoln is a tough place to play. There's no doubt about that. Great game day environment. But Ohio State right now is looking like a national championship contender legitimately. I just don't see how Nebraska will be able to score points in this defense either. The Buckeye defense has been lights out this year. It's been, it, excuse me, this year. It's been so good. And I especially can't see how, how Nebraska is going to be able to get stops on defense and keep Ohio State off the board. This is my best bet. Bet the fucking house. Take out a second mortgage if you have to. Uh-oh. Ohio State first half will only be nine or nine and a half here. I love the first half. I also love the full game spread. The Huskers are going to get blasted. Last week I said to avoid the Ohio State game against Miami of Ohio because I thought the market had caught up to them. The, the number was like 39 and a half. I said avoid the first half line. What are they doing against Miami of Ohio? I know it's just Miami of Ohio. They were up 49 to five at half. They won 76 to five. Ohio State is going to blow out Nebraska. 17 and a half is not even nearly close enough for this. Take Ohio State first half, take them total, take them however you can get them. Yeah, Scott Frost and this Nebraska team, very overrated. I mean, to start the year, everyone's talking about them winning the Big Ten. Yeah. Give them a couple years to get some recruits. I think I still think Scott Frost is a pretty good coach, but I mean, yeah, the he expectations is. were so high for them this year. It was just... Right. And he, look, he can... He, I think he's a very good coach. He could still be a great coach, but he the, the Nebraska program was terrible when he took it over. So and they went four and eight last year. Yeah, no, this this line was weird to me when I saw it. I love. I bet Ohio you this State line. This game. I bet you this line closes twenty three. I seriously think it's going to get bet up that high. And they have incentive to run it up. I right. mean, that's what you have to look at often. Is there a reason for these teams to run it up? Ryan Day, I think, wants to start proving a point in the Big Ten. And Nebraska, although it's kind of funny, although they're not that good this year, they're still Nebraska. You know, yeah. it's still a team that you have no. I mean, I'm biased, but most people, I feel like, don't have an issue running it up on little good old Nebraska. You know, most teams want to do that. I think that's mostly just you. (laughs) Tyler (laughs) hates Nebraska as a Colorado fan. but uh, I don't think people go into Nebraska saying, we're going to run it up on them. I don't even think they need incentive to be able to run it up on them. Based on, like, the history of who Nebraska is, that that, that if you go into, what is Nebraska's record this year? Uh, They are 2-1, and I think, or 2 Three and one. Sorry, three and one. Are they really three and one? Yeah, they lost to CU, and then they've won their other three games, but they haven't been against good people. They're three and one. Okay, I thought they were two and two or one and three or something like that. No, but it hasn't. I mean, they've only played Illinois. They played. Let me me ask you this then: If you're Ryan Day, do you? Is it any different going into a three and one Nebraska and a three and one Rutgers? That's what I mean. To me, I think that. I, for him, I don't think it is. I mean, like, yeah, only from the fact that they know that going on the road to Nebraska is a is a much tougher place to play and than it's going. Like, it's at like the Nebraska, the allure exact, of exact the program. The, allure, the yeah. fact that if you beat Nebraska seventy one zero or you beat Rutgers seventy one zero, people are going to say more positive things about the yeah. Nebraska. Well, here's dude. I mean, the, the thing is that I just don't even think. I think Ohio State is so good. I honestly, I'm like about to pick them to win the national championship. I'm that close. Without this game will mean a lot. But every they, time we say this, the teams end up not covering the spread. But Ohio State is—they uh, didn't cover week one. Since then, they're three and one, three and zero against the spread, and these have been big numbers. No, but every time we say, "All right, this team's going to win the national championship," it seems like there's like the letdown. We didn't say that last week. That's true. Yeah, but so, but I mean, look, and this will be much more me. indicative. I know they haven't played really good opponents. They did blow out Cincinnati. That's probably their best opponent so far. Indiana actually is a pretty decent team as far as you know bad big 10 teams go they blew them out too and that was on the road look i just 
I, I def, what I definitely think is that they're going to want to score early to shut up the, the Nebraska fans right. because it is a huge stadium. It's loud. It's not an easy place to play. I think that Ohio State's going to want to get on the board early to quiet the fans. And I just don't, I just don't get. It. I don't see how anyone could look at this game and say, "Yeah, Nebraska's going to keep it close." I don't see it. That scares me, though. That you say that when, when we do these, these. This is another trap I'm game. You're saying <laughs> this it, is like it a, seems like it because I like to bet some of these games. I go back and listen, and this is a good starting point for for these handicaps. And my thought right now is just like, I love. Ohio State. It seems like such an easy game to pick. But they've been like that most year, and they've actually most this year, and they've actually know, they've been like that too. Know, so outside of the FAU me. game where they let the backdoor cover, where they were up thirty-five nothing at halftime, uh, they they've blown out everybody. I'm just saying, it scares me whenever we start talking. It like doesn't that. scare me. It's my best. Bet. <laughs> okay, that, that terrifies me. That, that cockiness. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, well, man. my best bets, excluding last week, have been good. Just so you know, the the Michigan State one was bad. That one I even said was a trap. I don't feel like this is a trap. I just think that people are wrong here. But whatever. So you know, I still like Ohio State. I'm still on your side. It just it terrifies me we'll taking see, these man. kind of games. We'll see. Uh, last game we got here: Southern Cal on the road at Washington. So, uh, Washington ten point favorites here. So the Huskies got the bounce back win at BYU last week, where they fared much better than the Trojans, by the way. But these are a common opponent for them. Uh, Washington wins 45-19, and they got Jacob Eason, their quarterback, back on track, by the way. He had three touchdowns, almost 300 yards. He looked really sharp. USC, on the other hand, they got a huge win at home against Utah last week. And with all the job speculations surrounding Clay Helton, we talked about it, the Trojans, they kind of need this one if they want to keep Clay Helton around, if the players want their coach to stay around. Uh, now, USC won this game last time they played in 2016 in Seattle, and they've won three of the last four, dating back to 2011. I mentioned before when we were doing the Washington State-Utah breakdown about the whole thing with Graham Harrell runs the air raid and so does Mike Leach and how that applied to playing Utah. This is the same thing. So Graham Harrell, he, they have the air raid system, and yeah, while the air raid system has been really good against the Utah defense, it's been the opposite against Washington's defense. All you need to know to uh to look excuse me all you need to look at to get a decent indicator of how chris peterson's washington teams have fared against the air raid is his record against in-state rival and air raid team washington state washington has beaten washington state six straight years nine of the last ten uh chris peterson's undefeated against mike leach that's five years in a row and in those five games he's held the cougars offense to an average of 14 points per game that's ridiculous when you consider that Washington State is typically an offensive powerhouse. 14 points per game. Peterson knows how to stop the air raid. This is a system thing. He's not afraid of it. And with the third-string quarterback, Matt Fink, likely being uh, starting in place of Keaton Slovis, who is questionable with his, I think it's a concussion, I'm loving Washington here. Take the Huskies and the points. I don't care if USC has better talent. Washington uh, head coach Chris Peterson just knows how to shut down this air raid system. I like Washington here. Yeah, um, I think Washington's going to go in there complete. Or excuse me, I think USC is going to go in there completely high off last week's win and um, let down. Yeah, let down. I need to plug this in real quick before this thing yeah, dies on me. Right. Look, for me, it's just I love that. Uh, you know, that that's why I was so heavy on Washington State against Utah. I love Utah. I think Cal Whittingham's great, but if a coach shows me that he struggles against air raid offenses and, and one's coming to town a good one at that I'm not going to pick him and with the opposite thing with here with Washington uh, Chris Peterson knows how to shut that that system down and the air raid isn't just a team that likes to throw the ball it is a specific style of of play they use it's a system that uh, was perfected uh, especially by Mike Leach at Texas Tech he brought it to Washington State 
Chris Peterson knows how to stop it. That's why I'm all over him. What do you think about Jacob Eason? Uh, look, I like him. He struggled really bad against that game in, uh, against Cal uh, at home in week two. But Cal, very stingy defense. I like their head coach, Justin Wilcox. I just don't think that uh, Southern Cal has the kind of physical stingy defense. It's not terrible, but it's not it's not enough to get in Jacob Eason's head. And I just I, you and I are both the same when we talk about Chris Peterson. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. Is that line nine still? Ten, I think. Ooh. I think it's ten. Even still, I like it. I like Washington minus ten here. I love nine and a half, but I lean ten too. Okay. I think Washington takes care of business here. Okay, fair enough. All right, good stuff there from Will Chambers again, host of College Football Weekly every Tuesday on your favorite podcast player. All right, well, that does it for today's show. Wraps up the college football look ahead. Remember, every Wednesday we will have the college football preview and every Friday the NFL preview. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.